0: 90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science.
1: Hey, Shannon, how are you?
0: I'm doing very well. We had two very exciting things happen today. Oh, what's that? Well, the first one was I submitted a manuscript that I've been working on. (sighs) (laughs) Yay. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So had that little baby. Um, of course, the figures took me five days to put together. Um, I mean, they're already done just to get them into the format they needed to be to submit.
1: Right, resized with the <laughs> right. right font All and the this... special weird oh. encoding.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so that was traumatic, but I'm glad it's over. So I felt like I had that baby today. And then the second visitor we had to our house today, which I wasn't here for, but I'm texting you the fruits of that visit right now. Um, yeah, so you can see what's happened.
1: Oh, oh boy, I, I got a text message. This is never good. Oh, my gosh. It's a, okay, so for those of you not able to see through the magic of radio, uh, it is a speed test result for Shannon's internet of 118 over 60.
0: <laughs> Pretty impressive, right?
1: You, you now have better internet than I do.
0: <laughs> and if you stand in our laundry room, which is where the router is, you can get 400. Whoa. I know. I said, I don't think that's, this is what my husband, he's like, this is what I just got. And he said that word to me, or that number to me. And I said, did you mean like 40 point something? He's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's 400. And then he sent me the text and I said, my God. I said, I was so happy I could cry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And so it turns out, so my son turned 13 a couple weeks ago, or last week actually, and he wanted a new computer, and so he got, because he'd only had hand-me-down stuff from me, and so he got a gaming computer, right? Oh boy. Yeah, so he got this fancy HP Omen, Um, yeah, and some of his games are online games, and they still ran crappy. He was very, very upset because he paid for half of this computer himself. Like he worked and saved up the money and stuff. Um, right. So he was very upset. And I was like, it's not the computer, buddy. It's just our Internet. I'm sorry. You know, and I call. And even though so we live in, you know, rural Oklahoma, as John has pointed out many times, barbed wire Internet. <laughs> And right. so we had the local cable company come through and I just assumed that meant we all got fiber internet, but that was not true. Yeah. We had regular internet. Now the capability of fiber is here, but you had to specifically ask for that.
1: Right. And I'm sure it was not that much more expensive, so they it wanted is, to keep you on the crappy stuff for more.
0: That is exactly right. <laughs> And so I upgraded to this ridiculously awesome internet for $10 more a month. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah. Well, our, the internet provider that you and I have is appropriately named. We'll leave it at that. <laughs>
0: their, their service Indeed. is not great. Indeed. I know. So one of our electrical co-ops have, has been putting fiber in, in a lot of the rural areas, and they stopped a block from our house. And this other person came in and
1: oh, I was painful, so
0: upset. I would, I would stop and talk to the guys. I'm like, so are you guys making their way down? They're like, well, there's some stuff going on. We don't know if we will. I'm like, please, please, please. One block away.
1: <sighs> yep. Oh, that's painful. Yeah. But hey, painful. at least you've got uh, awesome internet now.
0: Oh man, I'm so excited. So I said the test of all of it because, you know, everybody's been talking today about what's running better and, all this jazz. And I said, the test of all of it will come when I try to upload the podcast. <laughs> so.
1: And it's there in 20 seconds. <laughs> exactly.
0: Which, inexplicably, our ridiculous internet at camp, the upload speeds are faster than the download speeds. And at camp, it would upload in like three minutes. Nice. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, we'll see here in the next 45 minutes <laughs> what happens.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah. So it's, it, was, um, it was an exciting day. Needed some good news. And both of those things were really great. Yeah. The weather's not great, though.
1: (laughs) Oh. uh, Driving (laughs) back up to the shop. Now, this is not the true air temperature. The true air temperature was probably 97. Um, But when I got up, uh, I got up in my truck to go to the shop about 745 to change material out in the mill before recording. This is at night. Uh, my truck said 103 on my drive. <laughs> Fahrenheit.
0: Oh man, I got you beat 1 p.m. 113.
1: Ooh. <laughs> uh, before we recorded, I was sharing with Shannon some temperature measurements we have from in an electrical enclosure that has a clear front. Outside in the sun, it broke 150. That's so great.
0: Um, So one of our mutual friends, um, Steve, my co-instructor for camp, he left camp last week when we left, and he went to the desert because he needed some samples. And we're not talking about, like, full field campaign or anything. We're talking about literally pulling over, grabbing some sand, and coming back. And it's like he was in two different places where (laughs) he met either a ranger or a border patrol because he was down in the Sonoran deserts. Um, who said no one comes here what are you doing you know and right (laughs) they wound up being the only two people in some national park him and his field assistant and it got down down to 96 at night
1: oh wow (laughs) i
0: can't even imagine and he would send me updates of like the air temperature on the car Like, after they'd been driving and the AC had been on and everything. And it was, like, 119, 122.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) We've actually had to stop running. So, we've got a pretty big production job going on right now at the shop. And as you can imagine, all of our machines throw off a lot of heat. Mm -hmm. All these Mm -hmm. big motors running. So, we run from about 6 a.m. until about 1 p.m. And then we have to shut them down. My goodness. And then I go back after dinner and feed them more metal because <laughs> Friday, the day the last podcast came out, we ran all day. Well, not quite. We stopped about 3.30 because it broke 90 degrees in the shop. Oh, my god. The A.C. hadn't shut off since probably 8 that morning.
0: Oh. Uh,
1: we had our roof watering running. It's just the amount of heat the machines were throwing off plus the temperature— we just couldn't even come close.
0: Oh, that's yeah. So now I go in in
1: the mornings, turn the temperature way down into the 60s, try to get the shop cool and start running machines and see how long we can last before <laughs> one of us says <laughs> we got to stop. It's just miserable.
0: <laughs> oh, it's it's weird because at camp you know, I've been going out there in one capacity or another for the past 12 years. And it was the nicest weather we've ever had. <laughs> like, by far, hands down, I think we had two days that top 90. I mean, there were some warm days, but only two days that top 90, like 91, 92. And what's weird about that is that the week before I got out there, the week before we had 19 inches of snow, uh, it was in the 100s in may which is unheard of yeah <laughs> so yeah it's been interesting
1: well i'm very worried i'm i'm leaving for a uh, conference next week if anybody is at the geoscience uh, teacher rendezvous yeah in minnesota next week i will be there with a the booth come say hi uh but I am. I am very worried about how miserable my flight up there is going to be.
0: Oh, I think it's going to be I, terrible. <laughs> if you I, make I'm it, I'm planning
1: on. I'm planning on doing wheels up at like 5 a.m.
0: Oh my gosh! It's Just be... so I can
1: get up there before it gets miserable hot.
0: I mean, you've got some sort of like little battery-powered <laughs> fan or something, right?
1: Uh, no, I've been working on <gasps> one. Oh, to take with me, and had a trial run last week that didn't go super well. So. going <laughs> try it again
0: Uh, uh. oh yeah that's gonna be brutal do you have to stop and refuel
1: i have to once i'm going to twice
0: Mm, just to get out of the sunshine
1: (laughs) to have a chance to get down get out see some different airports and also the further north i go the worse the gas prices get (laughs) (laughs) so if i can land with enough fuel to Come back this way some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, good call. I mean, I'm looking at gas prices increasing from six dollars a gallon to eight sixteen a gallon right uh-huh.
0: now. This is rough.
1: And this when you take rough. on sixty gallons a time.
0: Yeah, that's painful.
1: That, that hurts. It's one hundred twenty dollars <laughs> difference. That's
0: is painful. <laughs> um, less, slightly less painful than that. But um, the last week I took the students that wanted to go up to Cripple Creek. Which is great because it's at 10,000 feet and so it was lovely and cold and we went into a gold mine and did the tour and then I went to leave and I realized that we were out of gas and so, yeah, gas at a tiny gold mining town in the middle of nowhere is a dollar more expensive per gallon than it is 50 miles away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but I couldn't make it back, so (laughs) painful. I feel it.
1: Yep well i think we've blown this summer short
0: oh i know it's because yeah it's because we haven't talked in a while
1: (laughs) yeah so sometimes we group these recordings and yeah it's it's been a little bit because we knew shannon was going to be uh, wrapping up field camp trying to get things closed down and get back
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so that ruined most of my most of my week last week but i am super excited about what you found to talk about and i love that even though we've missed a couple of weeks this summer, we're still on theme.
1: <laughs> oh, I have at least two more shows on theme. Oh, Oh In, excellent. in the hopper.
0: Oh, great.
1: Now, we, we get further and further out as we go. But, <laughs> but I'm trying to stay on the theme of uh, musical phenomena.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is great.
1: And this week, it is an investigation of sounds heard beneath the Aurora Borealis.
0: Uh, so, did you know about this beforehand?
1: I did not. Okay. All My right. Because I don't know My Google search history is fascinating that. to have found this.
0: Uh, this is amazing. Just amazing. <laughs>
1: hmm Yeah. So, the Aurora. First off, what is it? I've never seen it. Have you?
0: I haven't. Nope. Um, my husband, lives in, or he grew up in Iowa, and so it's like, I think he's seen it once when he was younger, traveling around up north, which makes me insanely jealous.
1: Yeah, we need a field trip for that one, too.
0: Amen, we do. <laughs> but so, we, want, we don't want to take just our eyes, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah, we want to take our ears, too. So the, the aurora itself, what causes it?
0: Okay, so you got the sun spewing off all this stuff, and Earth, luckily, has this magnetic field. And so it's the interaction of particles that come from intense solar activity with our magnetic field, right? They start to interact. They light stuff up. There's some chemistry right. in there that I don't care about.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'll argue that it's more physics.
0: Oh, I, I think so, too. That's, that's why I stopped talking.
1: <laughs> so it's... Uh, yeah, the sun spews out all these energetic particles. Like you said, most of them get deflected by the magnetic field. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here talking.
0: Uh-huh, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, but some of them do get caught in the magnetic field and actually get accelerated towards the poles. Mm-hmm. Hence why you see these at the poles. At
0: the poles, yes.
1: Um, really, it's an energetic particle interacting with mostly oxygen and nitrogen. And it excites those electrons... So it makes them jump to higher valence states. Mm-hmm. And eventually they fall back down. And when they fall back down, they have to emit radiation.
0: And they do that. Yeah. As they some... happen
1: to do it in the visible spectra partially.
0: Which is so cool.
1: Yeah. Um, I found lots of popular science pages talking about the aurora. Saying that it is the energetic particles from the sun heating up oxygen and nitrogen mm. no mm.
0: yeah
1: <laughs> and one one at least acknowledge that they're wrong said, in a process similar to heating and oh. I still eh. this is the photoelectric effect. <laughs>
0: right yeah
1: it's not really anything to do with heating with heat yeah other than the fact that there's an energy exchange
0: <laughs> right exactly uh, similar to heating <laughs>
1: There is no adiabatic light.
0: Oh, that's that's painful, but yeah.
1: Anyway, so yes, the aurora are beautiful, supposedly. We wouldn't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But there have also been reports for a long time of people observing them, hearing kind of a muffled, clapping, cracking, popping, static sound.
0: That's... So bizarre, and I wouldn't have thought that that was a thing at all. But I mean, it makes sense too, but I think it's really cool. This uh, researcher um, who has been looking at them, like the reasons why, I guess I wouldn't have guessed that either. Would the Unto Lane, is that?
1: Yeah. Okay. Lane <laughs> would be my guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so. The Aurora itself is like 185 miles up, so that's 300 kilometers for the rest Mm -hmm. of you. If a sound made it down from (laughs) 300 kilometers, it would have to be insanely loud and peg every infrasound instrument on the face of the planet.
0: Right, exactly. (laughs) Which
1: doesn't happen. So most of the time when people talked about hearing the Aurora, everybody went, (laughs) uh-huh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was about it. Uh, But this Lane said, hey, I I heard it. I know it exists. And spent the next roughly 15 years trying to prove it.
0: (laughs) So what I found very interesting about this, so, you know, we said that this comes from flares from the sun. Like, I mean, the sun's constantly spewing out solar wind, but the sun also goes through roughly 11-year cycles of magnetic activity or inactivity. And so we, when he started this, the sun was coming on the downswing of one of its 11-year cycles. And this past 11-year cycle was very, like, the sun was very quiescent. Like, it was hardly doing anything at all. And so this poor guy just has to wait out this sunspot cycle (laughs) to, like, be able to see better auroras how sad is that
1: yeah well i mean at least you got time to prepare but then also you've got yeah. an 11 year window to collect your data
0: exactly and probably
1: one more window before the end of career
0: Mm-hmm. yeah that's very um that was a weird thing that i mean i think about it obviously i teach about it but it's a weird thing like when that's what you're studying and that's it like man that's a whole decade to sit there that's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think about how much has changed in the last decade.
0: Exactly. I mean, even in what's good for him, I guess, is that he was old enough to have that time to think about how he wanted to set up experiments because a lot's changed since then, right?
1: Oh, yeah. And so what he's done is set up some microphones with A parabolic antenna, which looks like an old-dish TV antenna. I'm pretty sure it is. Mm -hmm. It would work just fine, though. It's a parabolic reflector. You just mount your microphone at the focal point. Mm -hmm. And some very low-frequency loop antenna, which I've used these in other projects because they... Most antennas, you look at the electric component of the electromagnetic field. Okay. Loop antennas... Look at the magnetic component of the electromagnetic field. Mm, okay. And the propagation of these is different and interesting, mm-hmm. especially when you get to VLF. Also, a VLF wire antenna for the electric field is massive.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, versus these loop antenna which can be, I think the one I had was 18 inches in diameter. Okay. There's nothing.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. Totally so with, and, wieldy.
1: Yeah, very wieldy. Uh, So with a set of microphones that allow triangulation in three dimensions and a loop antenna, he took off onto frozen lakes to start recording the Aurora.
0: And this is all in Finland, so, you know, you would think that you would see it much more than, well, than you would hear. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. And so these sounds... It turns out he recorded them.
1: Yeah. So in September of 2011, he recorded several distinct sounds that showed up on all the microphones in the array and on his magnetic field instrument.
0: But what was really weird is that because he had done this triangulation, thank God he had a great experimental setup, right? This is an advertisement for making sure (laughs) that you have a good experimental setup. He triangulated the sound to only about 70 meters above the ground.
1: Yeah, so that's 230 feet for the rest of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is nowhere near the aurora. <laughs> no, I mean
1: 230 feet. Uh, there are lots of radio antenna towers taller than that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was somebody up there making noises. Is that what you're saying? <laughs>
1: It's <laughs> Just like last week, somebody was sitting there hitting the guy wires with a wrench, making the pew pew's. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Uh huh. You know what's really funny is that I um, I played that for my husband, and I was like, "Listen to these sounds," because he's a big Star Wars fan. Listen to these sounds on a frozen lake. And before I even press play, he's like, "Yeah, I'm from Iowa. They sound just like lasers. I've heard this a ton of times." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for being excited. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So this doesn't sound like a laser, but it does sound like clapping noises, kind of?
1: Yeah. um, Sort of. I would kind of describe it as that sound you get when you break chopsticks apart before you eat.
0: Ooh, yeah. Okay. I'd give you that. Although I'm very surprised that's a sound in your repertoire. (laughs) I'm
1: offended.
0: (laughs) Do you eat chicken fingers with chopsticks? (laughs)
1: no i eat sweet and sour chicken with chopsticks
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) that i believe
1: (laughs) maybe some orange chicken if i'm feeling adventurous
0: (laughs) man you definitely definitely ventured out of your culinary (laughs) comfort zone
1: (laughs) i don't even have to have honey mustard anymore
0: (laughs) Oh, oh that's i'm gonna need a minute with that
1: Unless they're regular chicken fingers, which are also known as honey mustard shovels. But that's beside the point.
0: Uh, uh. Okay, good to know you haven't been totally replaced by someone else. Right.
1: So anyway, you get this chopstick breaking sound Mm -hmm. that's close to the ground. Well, what else is close to the ground at night? And this is where I decided this was definitely what we were talking about because it comes back to meteorology. (laughs)
0: yeah these are one of my favorite things to talk about i don't know why just because they're weird right so (laughs) yeah you get like inversions and i figured this would be right up your your ham radio loving alley
1: (laughs) oh it's right up the ham radio alley it's right up the flying alley because i get if i go fly early in the morning i fly through the inversions and Mm -hmm. i can watch them on the temperature gauge that's cool (laughs)
0: yeah i've always i always ask questions about like why we get weather in the lower parts of the atmosphere and i always expect students to say something about the temperature gradients and so this is always one i throw in there every once in a while just to say well what about this weird thing so yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so temperature normally in the lower part of the atmosphere decreases with height at the moisture dry adiabatic lapse rate Mm -hmm. but especially at night When you get the ground radiating all of that heat from the daytime solar insulation, you get a cooling followed by a warming. And that warm cap of air holds that cool air down against the ground. Mm -hmm. And you don't get the normal profile, and that's a thermal inversion. So when you see smoke coming out of chimneys or smokestacks, and suddenly it takes a hard right (laughs) and has a flat top like a thunderhead, it's because it hit an inversion and it's thermodynamically no longer favorable for it to rise.
0: Right. And so this inversion does some weird stuff to sound, too. And I know this about, like, well, you know this more than I do, about, like, radio waves and everything as
1: well. Yeah, so uh, you can reflect radio waves off of it. You can reflect sound waves off of it. Uh, it's an impedance contrast, just like we talk about in... Uh, seismic seismic
0: yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and this is how you can pick up like radio stations or whatever at nighttime from way far away or if you're doing ham radio stuff really weird things can happen Yeah,
1: some of that also has to do with there's a couple of layers in the upper atmosphere that combine at night
0: that can do that too yeah Mm
1: -hmm. yeah um but this happens to also you've got this aurora going on overhead which is a very electrical process you might not think about that but we're talking about moving electrons that's the definition of electricity
0: mm-hmm.
1: yep and this thermal inversion provides yes an impedance contrast and when you have a voltage or a potential gradient present and an impedance contrast
0: <sighs>
1: you have flow you have current ohm's law holds
0: awesome so, basically, you don't want to walk through this inversion and then stick your finger out and touch somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you were hanging off that radio tower in the inversion <laughs> under an intense aurora, there's probably some electrical discharges.
0: <laughs> so, is this what they think these sounds are, then? Because it doesn't happen all the time with every, with, um, every aurora.
1: No, they think it has to be an intense aurora.
0: hmm Makes sense.
1: And a pretty significant inversion.
0: Okay. And he, this Unto Lane, talks about the weather conditions the first night, ages and ages ago, that he heard these sounds or his friends heard these sounds when they were under an aurora. And he said that that sort of checks out with his findings in terms of the presence of these inversion layers.
1: Absolutely. So you need that calm dead still night clear of clouds so you get that thermal inversion and an intense geomagnetic storm
0: super cool and this is where you go to spaceweather.com and you check that out all the time right <laughs> and, and then you can go haunting
1: <laughs> and uh you know he said that he he checks spaceweather.com a few times a day um <laughs> And there was some criticism that this was maybe noise from trees or other sources. He went way out into the middle of frozen lakes, far away from anything else. Uh, Still recorded them, still located them in the sky.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Man, this is so neat. Like what a cool, a cool occurrence, right?
1: Oh, yeah. So (laughs) I, I I love this on many levels. Uh, but it it stuck with the musical theme it's something that i would love to experience
0: oh yeah yeah absolutely it's definitely bucket list i don't care where i go to see it i just want to make sure i see it yes and now i want to make sure i hear it right because <laughs> <laughs> that's really really cool i get really excited about auroras especially when you're talking about like auroras on saturn because they're like hexagonal or something it's so interesting
1: yeah there's several other planets in the solar system that have aurora mm-hmm. uh Is that fundamentally always... it's just excitation of <laughs> particles by charged particles
0: right exactly so do you have a do you have a magnetic field or even a little magnetic field Yes. Okay. Well, we can make pictures in the sky then. Right. Yeah. Really cool. So yeah, this was um, this was really neat. I think we probably have a lot of follow up shows based on this. And I'm very excited about it.
1: <laughs> right. Oh, and in case you were curious, yes, he did see on the magnetic instrument a pulse right before <gasps> oh, the yeah. sound. So that does indicate that there is some kind of electrical discharge that created a disturbance in the magnetic field that propagated at the velocity factor of the speed of light in air. And then the sound got there because sound's really slow. Right. So there are multiple observations confirming this. Uh, now we just need an array of those recording at the you know mini gigahertz mm-hmm. band. And are you probably get some really interesting things.
0: Are you gonna be able to handle this field work, minus thirty degrees Fahrenheit, minus four degrees Fahrenheit?
1: <laughs> you know, though I dislike the heat, <laughs> I'm doing my very best not to complain because I complained so much this winter.
0: <laughs> See, I I'll take cold any day, any day. I already my body temperature is already a thousand suns worth of heat so yeah
1: yep, yeah fair
0: mm-hmm. i'll i'll take it uh my northern latitude husband says there's no way i could survive so <laughs> maybe we'll see something
1: <laughs> right well how do your animals do outside
0: i mean my big fat cats that get fed a nice diet don't ever want to go outside so yeah
1: and maybe we should figure out why that is in this week's Fun Paper Friday.
0: Yay. <laughs> I just thought this was funny. Now, the, the actual paper isn't meant to be funny, but I think the conclusions that I'm drawing from it are very funny. <laughs>
1: right uh so so you found this i will let you do the the honor of introducing it
0: (laughs) so this is in current biology and it's provision of high meat content food and object play reduce predation of wild animals by domestic cats felis catus by cachetti et al (laughs) um she has a wealth of cat papers (laughs) just a (laughs) well and this has a graphical abstract too so i thought you'd like that yes (laughs) which is of course this like life cycle of this cute cat (laughs) (laughs) eating playing and hunting (laughs) right (laughs) um yeah and as always i mean this is from cell so it's not surprising that this is well put together, but I just I love the graphical abstract. I like the brief statement. I love the highlights, which are the bullet points. I love the way that they make people do science.
1: <laughs> I love the fact that there's a picture of a cat in a technicolor dream collar that is called the Bird Be Safe.
0: <laughs> so I picked when I was deciding so I was reading this paper anyway, and while I was deciding whether this is the one I wanted, that is the picture <laughs> that I knew. <laughs> was gonna bring it home for you. (laughs) So figure one D, that was exactly what did it. I said, Yep, I'm sending it. I'm not even gonna finish it. (laughs) This poor jester collar on this cat. So the whole point and this is the whole um (laughs) the whole like crux of her research is looking at domestic cats because we've talked about it on here before, I think. Um some places like Hawaii and apparently Australia. That's a loaded FPF for later. Um, you know, cats kill a lot of things. That, that study came out a couple years ago that was like, cats are killing everything um, study. And so she and her group have done all these experiments on like, why? Why are they doing it? Do people care? Is this actually a problem? Is it not? And that's sort of what she says is that, you know, cats are actually pretty detrimental to the environment in terms of killing birds and small mammals if they're just let outside. So should we be doing anything about this? Should we not? And if we do something about it, what actually works?
1: I mean, my, my test case would have been we all get dogs.
0: <laughs> As I look at my extraordinarily dumb but infinitely cuttable, cuddleable and. Five pound monstrosity i'm gonna pass <laughs> <on that>. okay <laughs> i mean my cat's pretty big fat thing too but <laughs> they're so oh my dog sheds more than my cats combined so um but people love their cats man and as she points out especially in new zealand and the uk which i thought was very interesting people always let their cats outside So we have one indoor cat that she never goes outside. Um, And then we have one cat that is indoor-outdoor. Like, she doesn't spend the night outside, but she spends a couple hours a day outside. But they're saying, like, in the UK and New Zealand, like, cats go outside. That's it. All owners are like, cats are meant to be outside. This is what cats do. Right. And so in those places, if you want your cat to not eat everything in your garden, what can you do? Because maybe that's actually really bad for the ecosystem.
1: And so they tested, uh, they had six groups. Group A, cats were fitted with a collar-mounted standard cat bell. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the little birdies hear the cat bell, and that's the danger warning.
0: Mm-hmm, Supposedly.
1: They fed the cats high meat content food. They gave them a puzzle to attack and work on.
0: <laughs> and that's like those things for your... Fat animals to slow them down from eating is you stuff all their food in like a ball that they have to roll around.
1: <laughs> right. Uh-huh. The uh, bird be safe collar cover.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. They... <laughs> this, this Elizabethan cat with this jester collar on. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's great. Oh. <laughs> uh, they had the owners play with them doing like the little fishing toys, and then they let one group just. Do whatever they wanted as they <laughs> control.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is one thing I talk about all the time because cats are obligate carnivores. So they have to have protein and they have to eat on a schedule, for lack of a better a better word. Like, you know, dogs can go hungry for a while, but cats actually can't, like they'll die much faster without having this protein source at a consistent time level and so what i thought was interesting was this food thing that this component was interesting for me in this study so basically they found the bell does nothing
1: <laughs> yeah pretty much
0: and and we did this with our outside cat we gave her a collar and she lost it and we gave her another collar and it lasted two days and she lost it and yeah the collars on cats that are outside never hang around anyway so that was interesting. But if you give your cat at home a high protein food, they're less likely to go kill stuff.
1: Yeah. Quite a quite a bit.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, so the bell didn't do much. The puzzle <laughs> this was my favorite. The yes! puzzle actually made them kill more things. I know.
0: This is the best. So <laughs> so they they I, I disagree with her analysis of this, saying that they get frustrated and they get hungry. I think it just like opens up their predator nature and they want to yeah, go like, like. they're
1: practicing all the time. Yes,
0: exactly. They want to take it to the next level. And she said that, you know, we think that the cats get frustrated and because they're the obligate carnivores, they have to go get those nutrients somewhere else. But I think it just like turns on that part of their brain. Which is very interesting.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: And that was a huge number, too. That wasn't, right? It was, yeah, 35%, 33%.
1: Yeah, it was significant.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the Uh, bird be safe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the play did a little bit. The bird be safe did a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. But the bird be safe obviously only did stuff for the birds. But I don't understand why. I didn't look into the bird be safe. I didn't know if it was the color or if it makes like a crinkly noise or what.
1: I'm wondering if it like partially restricts their movement, so they're not so fast and stealthy. Maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, if you put like crinkle stuff in that collar, because it's pretty big.
1: Like <laughs> yeah, it's real big.
0: <laughs> but I thought the play was interesting too. So it's like the play significantly decreased, but the puzzle increased. And yes. So like, I want like. MRI scans or something. Like, what different parts of their brain are being activated in this puzzle versus the play?
1: You're saying you want cat scans? (laughs) You're welcome.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. Swing at the first pitch. That was great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That that was just... That was way too easy. Yeah.
0: It sure was. (laughs) That's exactly what I want, though. Because what is different? Because the play... Um, reduced by 25% the number of attacks. (laughs) And so, you know, did you wear them out? Is that what the deal was? Um, Yeah, very interesting. So if you give them high-protein foods and you play with your cats 10 minutes a day, you're less likely to go kill stuff. But if you give them one of those stupid puzzle feeders, they hate you forever and kill everything. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's my conclusions from this paper. And if you put this bird collar on, they look ridiculous and will probably kill you in your sleep.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I thought that was very interesting. I also thought what was interesting was that the way that they determined, like the number of kills, was purely things that they brought back to their owners. Right. And so, like, how much is being missed, which they address in the supplements. But I thought that was also an interesting point of this: is that they chose cats for this study that would reliably bring home a prey item to their families. Right. Because my cat doesn't really do that. She did bring a not dead bird into the house once, which was very traumatic for everyone. <laughs> but- <laughs> the bird not the least <laughs> right but um but yeah i thought that i thought that was an interesting part of this too so you know who knows what those real numbers are they could be much bigger yeah for sure so yep this is great like i said it's a wealth of uh, cat papers that i'm going to read personally and probably share on here as well <laughs> if nothing for this adorable graphical abstract
1: Right. Well, so there you go. If your cat is a little too aggressive,
0: <laughs> just feed it meat. Ah, 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 ah. Yep. Fat and happy.
1: Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, if you've got results to share from your cat's dietary and kill rate, <laughs> We would love to hear that. Shannon, how can they get hold of us?
0: <laughs> Show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. As always, we're on Twitter at Shannon Doolin at geo underscore Lehman. And together we are at don't panic geo. Uh, we're sometimes hanging out in the Slack chat room. You can send us your Elizabethan cat collar pictures there. <laughs> and as always, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, if you would like to support us, you may do so. Patreon.com slash don't And
1: until next week, remember